Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name is Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, sweet cheeks. How you doing? I'm pretty good. You're Wonder Woman today with your Wonder Woman shirt. I am. Very, very strong. Do you feel stronger? Mm, no, I don't. Okay. No? You feel it's, pretty it's, run down? <laughs> right now, I do, actually. Before we started recording, I was like, wait, let me get out a yawn real quick. Yeah. So, and the, the unfortunate thing is that 80% of our listeners are going to yawn within uh, 15 seconds of hearing you say yeah, yawn. Yeah. So, so, we're not going to do that. We're just going to bring the energy and we're going to yeah. pep you guys up. Whatever you're doing right now, we're going to make it better for you. If you're yeah. cleaning, if you're working, if you're driving, whatever. Yeah. Well, hopefully. We're here for you. At least the next five minutes and that gets into a sad story. But Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, one thing I wanted to bring up this week, um, well, before we get there, hey, thanks for all the reviews and all that good stuff on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Some people even reached out to us. They're like, I can't figure out how to leave a review, but I guess even like Spotify has some. I, or, yeah, they have the five star. I don't whatever. But thank you for leaving any reviews wherever you are. We appreciate it so much. Make sure you subscribe. So if you're listening to us right now, plus press that plus button or whatever so you can be notified for the next one, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't even do it about the notifying per se. I know I brought this up on a previous one. I personally subscribe anytime I, you know, like a podcast because it keeps me, it shows me which ones I've listened to already. Yeah. It says played and it keeps my spot in the one that I'm not done to. Otherwise, it's like you've never went there. Yeah. It's like, what is this? This is Mm -hmm. your first time. So I yeah. I always subscribe to podcasts I like. Always a good idea, especially if it's a crime and coffee couple. Exactly. I'm a little biased. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, the thing I was going to bring up, we were talking this week, uh, you and I, and um, it, we needed to stop for some kind of a grocery of some you sort. Meant to, you mentioned Aldi. Yeah, and we, it was Aldi. And I was like, for some reason, I'm just the person that stops and goes places all the time. So I think it's because I work from home that it's like generally accepted that I could probably go out and go do something right away you know, during lunch or whatever it might be. And I was like, hey, um, you know what? Allison drives like, what, 20, 30 minutes to work every day? Uh, 26, actually. Okay. Every time I get in my car, my my watch notifies me. Okay. And I was like, well, here's the thing, Allison. Um, you ever pass an Aldi on your way home by chance? <laughs> and, and I was like, uh, no. No? And, no. Well, you look at Google Maps and there's actually two Aldis on the way home. So it's this weird thing that Allison, what you just say, I'm not stopping when I come home. When I leave work, I want to get the hell home. Yeah. I'm done. Well, who doesn't? I've been working for close to 10 hours at that point nonstop. I mean, we don't have a break. We don't take lunch. It's like, you know, bam, bam, bam. I want to be home. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Wham, bam. No, thank you, ma'am. Right. Give me the hell out And of I want to get out of my scrubs and into my comfy clothes and light a candle. Wine, um, water, or no, water. Uh, true crime and bed by 830. No, it's that t-shirt uh, my friend Lauren got me that says true crime glass of wine bed by nine and our daughter says no mommy it needs to say true crime no wine bed by eight Mm -hmm. and that's that's me that's exactly you um, I'm drinking some coffee from a friend of ours from, uh, she actually went to Columbia and brought us back some coffee. I don't yeah, know if I mentioned you that have before. mentioned it. Okay. I'm just very excited about That's it. That's okay. Every time it's I nice drink it, I think of her. grateful. Yeah, absolutely. So, I cleaned our pantry today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. First thing I woke up this morning. Uh, that's, that's like a highlight for you. That's yeah, a big highlight. Yeah, it's, it's a big and I'm excited about it because I got up early this morning and I had no intention of cleaning our pantry, but I'm a psycho and I went to get something from the pantry and something fell and I was like, oh, that's not going to work. And then and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this thing is awful. And I just tore it apart. Yeah, you did. And I woke up. I had eight hours of sleep. So I was sleeping quite a long time. Woke up at about, you know, 845, something like that. 
And uh, I saw you just going to town. I mean, you were pretty much done by that point. Yeah, I was. And it was good. And you know what's next on my list? Uh, this room? This room that we recorded. Oh, folks, man. She's just... If there's Jazzed. something she thinks of, she's just <laughs> not going to get off your brain. It's done. Um, I was laying in bed. I woke up at 6.15 or so. And I was just in my head picturing what we were doing to this office. And I hate this office. I know I've mentioned it. It's Pooh Brown Walls. This office was a complete afterthought because we just had a leftover gallon of paint so i was like whatever we have help why do we have poo brown paint it it, at the time it was what 2012 i I guess i liked poo brown okay it's chocolate at that time i didn't call it poo brown i called it chocolate brown right it sounds better so we had my brother and my dad helping us here so i was taking advantage i'm like we have a leftover gallon just get it on the walls and that's it yeah so so now you got this whole new thing in your head with so excited wallpaper should Mm -hmm. be really exciting on one wall we're gonna do wallpaper i'm gonna try to like be unavailable during that time oh you're gonna be very much available well hopefully cameron yeah our son hopefully his team Mm -hmm. wins the all-stars so we can still play next week and then i don't have to worry about it i've got it all figured out don't you worry maybe have a friend over you come she she or he comes over and helps out you want me to have a gentleman caller hey whatever whatever it takes whatever gets you out of it for me not to have to put wallpaper up and folks i hate uh, home improvement projects whatever well, it might be. you purchased a home you have to do home improvements you don't have to do home improvement unless you want to live in the depths of hell you have to do home maintenance you don't have to do improvement yes you do i want to improve my home my I, taste I of 20, 2012 is not my taste of 2023 i like to just rest and enjoy myself uh, after a hard week of work and hard week of working out I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, obviously, obviously. So So I'm excited for you guys to see once it's all said and done what it looks like. Yeah, we'll post on Instagram. Absolutely. And then if you watch us on YouTube, you'll see it. Right. But it'll probably be about a month from now. Okay. And then tomorrow's Father's Day. We're recording a day ahead. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Absolutely. Any caregivers that are men, um, happy Father's Day. I know Mother's Day, Father's Day days like that can be also very tough on people. So, Or there's also like single moms or whatever. So, you know, Father Mother's Day is kind of the similar thing. Well, as as you're spending time with your kids. But I'm saying if you've lost a parent, it could be a very sad time. So our hearts go out to you if you're having a rough time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I already saw one of my gifts, a pretzel, floating pretzel, just came in Amazon about a half hour ago. You always ruin things for me. No, you are too lazy to click, click, uh, make sure it's in a box so I can't see what it is. Who's reading the fine print on Amazon? Right here, me. You know what I'm doing? I'm walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom at work and I'm like flipping through my phone quickly. You're like, "Uh, good enough. Okay. No. Uh, Father's Day done. That is not true. Father's Day done because the pretzel is some a float we got from mike when we first got our pool i don't know six years ago and he loved it that was like his napping float because i could tell the kids it's pretzel it's pretzel time (laughs) and our daughter would be like no because it means i couldn't throw her in the pool anymore because i'd be like okay 15 minutes of pretzel time and then back to throwing you in the pool and all that stuff 15 minutes of pretzel time so of course being in florida the weather it's just so friggin' hot and stuff so floats basically last a year so we haven't had a pretzel in years we haven't and thank goodness i'm actually looking forward to that see yeah so you made it Good sound gift. like i was lame and got you some pool float but there was meaning behind it right okay all right after all of this chitter chatter let's get going right what do you say agreed okay so this is the story of Ashley Reeves. 
So in April of 2006, Ashley Reeves was a 17-year-old girl. She was a junior at Columbia High School. She lived in Millstadt, Illinois, and her parents, she lived with her parents, I should say, and her younger sister, Casey. So Ashley, she was a very outgoing social girl. She had tons of friends at school. She was a great student. She had good grades. Her friends described her as funny and bright. Her parents adored her. She sounds like she came from a very close family. She also had a boyfriend. She was dating a boy named Jeremy for close to two years at this point. Hmm. So Ashley's parents approved of her relationship with Jeremy. She felt that Jeremy or they felt that Jeremy was a very wholesome person. He was very caring um, towards their daughter. So it's like, what more could you ask for? Yeah, that's all you want as a parent. Like, uh, I can't stand when guys will say like, oh, you waiting for your daughter to start dating? You're going to have your shotgun or whatever. It's like, no, man, I hope she finds somebody great that she has a lot of fun with and treats her really well. Like, yeah, I, I mean, that's <laughs> called normal life. Yes, I'm not going to be there like trying to. I'm going to be cleaning my shotgun. Yeah. Okay, dorks. It's like, no, I want my daughter to actually experience life. And, and you know, you and I met when we were 16. And so. that is because I'm not piece of, uh, a piece of shit. So some of these guys that do this, I'm like, were you a piece of shit to girls? Like, because I wasn't. I treated girls pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we basically kind of were like we are now. We right. really haven't changed all that much in close to 27, 28 years. Yeah. So, you know, they were in a good relationship. On Thursday, April 27th, 2006, Ashley told her parents that after school, she was going to make the 20-minute drive to Fairview Heights. She said she had an interview. After the interview, she planned on meeting a friend to play basketball. I guess she really enjoyed basketball. And she assured them that she would be home by her 10 p.m. curfew. So she took a change of clothes with her after school. It sounded like her and her sister drove back home together from school. She dropped her sister off. She grabbed a change of clothes and head out from her house again at 3.30 p.m. She was actually driving her boyfriend Jeremy's SUV. She borrowed it for the day. So when her curfew passed and Ashley hadn't come home by 10.30 that night, her parents began to worry. So it sounds to me that she was very, like we always say in these cases, very responsible. She was often... She wasn't late for her curfew, it sounded like, because a half hour later, her parents were very worried. So she started, they started, of course, calling friends, um, asking their, their daughter, Casey, had you, have you talked to Ashley? Casey hadn't. They called Jeremy. Jeremy hadn't heard from her. They asked her other close friends that she would likely be with. Nobody had heard from Ashley. And the more you're calling, the more you're getting worried. Yeah. And Ashley continued to not answer her phone. She wasn't answering texts, etc. So they reached out um, to the St. Clair County Sheriff's Office and, you know, they automatically tried to give assurance that these things happen all the time. She was probably studying or doing something and lost track of time. And there was probably an innocent reason as to why she hadn't come home that night. Yeah, you're trying to calm them down because the odds are, you know, that they're probably fine. Just, mm -hmm. you know, unexplainable for right now, but we'll find them in a little bit. So it sounds like the police really heard the terror and Ashley mo Ashley's mom's uh, voice. This is Michelle. So they did tell her, hey, I've got a lot of patrol guys out. We will have them look for her car or Jeremy's car, I should say. So they basically put out a bolo to their officers. Keep an eye out for this SUV. Bolo? Well, be on the lookout. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you did know that. I I. I I'm pretty sure we've discussed that. But anyway, Bolo is be on the lookout. So eight hours into the investigation, or if you want to call it investigation, or be on the lookout, they actually did come across Jeremy's car. It was found abandoned in Latterman Park in Belleville, which is about 15 minutes away from Ashley's house. 
Inside the car, investigators found a bag of clothes that Ashley had planned to change into for the interview and then basketball. Police began to question Ashley's family and friends, and when they spoke to Jeremy, obviously they wanted to first clear him. Did he have any involvement in her disappearance? You start closer and work your way out. Mm-hmm. He explained that he'd actually been out of town when Ashley went missing. He explained that he had loaned her his, his car so that she could get herself to the interview and then to basketball. Police quickly confirmed his story, and Jer- Jeremy was cleared as a suspect. So the cell phone bill had just incidentally arrived that day to the house. So, of course, Michelle is scanning the numbers in Ashley's log. And back in this day in 06, you'd still get the billing you know, through the mail and it would list every single call that was made by every single phone on the account. Mm-hmm. Like every time, like 10 pages every time. So a lot of the numbers they could quickly identify, but they did notice one that they saw over and over. So Michelle decided, hey, I'm going to pick up the phone and call this number. So a man named Sam Shelton picked up the phone. Michelle said that he was very polite and he told her that he hadn't seen or talked to Ashley. He didn't know where she was. He sounded concerned, but told Michelle that it was probably nothing to worry about and that that Ashley would show up. Who is he? You're going to tell us? We'll get to that. Okay. So he said that if he heard from her, he would let her know. And he basically quickly hung up the phone. It was not an extensive phone conversation. So um, in the meantime, police continued to speak with Ashley's friends. They were questioned, you know, as to they were questioning her friends, like, why did Ashley go to this particular place to play basketball when she had a park within her own neighborhood? So friends were explaining that she tended to meet up with a man. And lo and behold, this is also Sam Shelton. Uh So who is Sam Shelton? So he's 26 years old. He's a teacher at Freeburg High School. So he had actually been Ashley's middle school teacher when she was in seventh grade in the year 2001. Mm. So that's how they had met each other. They did an ongoing you know, conversation with the police. It eventually came out that Ashley and Sam were romantically involved. Okay, so she was having an affair with Sam. Yes. So Ashley's family was completely caught off guard by this well they feel hurt too because they like jeremy and Mm -hmm. they're like what oh man i can't believe you didn't tell any of us about this and they had no idea they were shocked you know it's ashley sounds like a very level-headed girl it was very unlike her to come out that at age 17 she was having an affair with a 26 year old man that just so happened to be her teacher so they were shocked um did uh did you mention ashley has a dad Yes. Okay. Yeah. Her mom and dad. It's just her mom did a lot more of the interviews. So I talk more about her mom. It's not to say that her dad was not involved because he was. I was just wondering why she was going for like an older man. But Yeah. yeah. So, of course, you know, when Ashley's parents are making the phone call towards to Sam, they're they're thinking in their head, like, why is she? frequently communicating with a teacher outside of school not knowing at the time what the extent of their relationship was so everything's kind of like dawning on them and coming out in the open so all of a sudden now sam is becoming a very quick person of interest i mean yeah once you you know jeremy wasn't there this is sam's the next guy Yes. And time is ticking by at this point, and Ashley's family is sick with grief and worry, wondering where the heck could their 17-year-old be? Was she hurt? Was she suffering? Was she cold and scared? Was she alive? Was she dead? They had no idea. She just was gone. 
So police and family learned that Shelton taught PE. He also taught driver's ed at a different high school. So Freeburg High School was not where Ashley went to school. So Ashley and Shelton, like I said, um, he had taught her in seventh grade, but they're reconnecting in February of 2006, a little over a month before Ashley went missing. So police soon learned that Shelton was a very popular teacher at his school. He was very much well-liked by his students because, of course, he was younger. He was 26. We've all been to high school, and there's always those, like, teacher guys and girls that, like, everybody just loves. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is – we can all picture a, a teacher from our high school days where it's like, yeah, this person was probably fooling around with some, some I mean, student. I sure as hell hope not. Right. Just but, because you're young, good-looking, and so, you know, you have a good personality doesn't mean you're going to be willing to sleep with a student. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But I mean, you hear a lot about it. So yeah, I don't know what you know, I, he must have had a pretty good personality. I remember my biology teacher, I adored that man. I didn't have like a crush per se on him. He wasn't like a great looking guy, but he was just the best person in the whole world. Personality, hilarious. And you know, oftentimes your teachers can be pretty lame. Well, so what if he's like, you're really pretty, Allison. After I would have panicked if he would have put the moves on me. Okay. So anyway, um, so again, he's very much well liked at the school where he's a teacher, um, as well as in the community too. I guess he was trying to be a pro wrestler on the side. His nickname was the teacher. Some of the female students referred to him as a cute teacher. Others did feel though that he was full of himself. He was very athletic. He played in multiple sports including what I read was fast pitch softball. But then another thing said they picked him up at a at a baseball game. So whether it was softball or baseball, I'm not entirely sure. But he seemed from, you know, when the police started speaking with him to be very polite and friendly. And, and people could attest to that. He was often seen doing chores for his mom and his grandma, helping them to maintain their property. Um, so Shelton did live near Latterman Park where Jeremy's car was found It was an upscale neighborhood called Wildwood Lake Estates where he lived with his mom and grandma. So when we say he's doing the yard work, it's not like he was going there to do the yard work. He lived there, but he was exceptionally close to both his mom and his grandma. So police found Shelton at softball practice or baseball practice, one of the two. They brought him in for questioning. He was calm, friendly, and cooperative. When police asked about his whereabouts in the time frame that Ashley went missing, he explained that he had a typical day. He was teaching his high school classes on Thursday and Friday. During the day, he said on Friday night after class, he went to a bar. He participated in line dancing. He told investigators that he hadn't seen or heard from Ashley in days. He had no idea of her whereabouts. He's sitting down with police, not knowing what they know. He's saying, we, we're we completely just friends. You know, we'll occasionally rarely meet up and play basketball, but that's it. We're just friends. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So he denied having any sort of inappropriate relationship with her. He insisted they were just friends. He did say, hey, I taught her during middle school. We just simply stayed in touch. We occasionally play basketball together. And the police knew that they had a relationship because of her friends. Yes. Ashley's friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, of course, they're trying to help find their friend. Absolutely. So, you know, again, he's sitting there across from police in an, in an interrogation room. He's continuing to ins- insist that their relationship strictly platonic. Police know he's lying. So police say to him, Stephen, or I'm sorry, um, Sam. Sam, Sam, 
let's uh, get down to dollars and cents here. We know the truth. The brass tax. The brass tax. Ashley's friends, let us know that you guys are involved in a sexual and a romantic relationship. So all of a sudden now, he's changing his story. So he's telling police that Ashley had become obsessed with him. She was calling him at all hours of the day and night. He said he had been avoiding her for days, hoping that she was just going to take the hint and leave him alone. So now he's saying, okay, okay, fine. We were involved in a relationship that was romantic. It was inappropriate, but I hadn't talked to her in days because I was trying to give her the cold shoulder that she would just go away. I mean, you can you can see how he would lie about that at first. Even mm-hmm. if he had nothing to do with her disappearance, you can, you know, nobody's going to want to see that 27-year-old guy with 26. a 26. 26-year-old guy with a 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, right. I, I get that. Even it's if, illegal. Sure. So yeah. he was you know, changing his stories to police. Finally, um, or he did say he eventually admitted, okay, we did have sex once in a car, but I'm just trying to break things off at this point. So now all of a sudden he's changing his story and saying that on the night that Ashley went missing, he had met up with her. So initially they were just friends. Then no, we were, we did have relations, but I hadn't seen her in days. Now they're together the day that she went missing. Okay. So they were together. They met up with, um, he's meeting up with her according to what he's saying with the intention of breaking things off. He said he was driving. They began to argue about the relationship and Ashley got upset she started screaming he said he pulled the car over and ashley refused to get out so he basically had to pull her out of the car he left her on the side of radio range road he insisted that she was still very much alive when he left her he said before he left she had been mad to the point that she was kicking and screaming he said that he cared about her he was concerned for her well-being but review of his phone records showed that he never tried to call her to make sure that she safely got home because he knew she was dead Mm -hmm. so um he said he also avoided driving by the spot that he had left her because he was afraid he would see her laying in a ditch and he couldn't stand that since he has a very weak stomach when it comes to gore movies and he couldn't handle seeing her laying on the side of the road like that why would he why would she be laying on the side of the road because he's like i left her fine and well if she hadn't made it home she must have gotten hit by a car okay that was his that was his uh theory well if i'm the police here i'm salivating because you know you got your guy basically you're Mm -hmm. like okay this piece of shit is going to crack uh because he does he tells us a lie and then he cracks and he tells us a lie then he cracks and we're gonna get to this Mm -hmm. but you know police are under the gun here because it's ticking up to the 30 hour mark that ashley has been missing they just want to find her yeah i don't think that's gonna well i mean at least not alive so they're sitting with him pleading for him to just tell the truth since time was running out during a bathroom break shelton just happened to run into a familiar face this was the department's lead detective stephen johnson shelton had been an explorer in their law enforcement explorer post as part of the boy scouts so he knew johnson from that because he served as an advisor during that group so johnson took over the interview and began speaking with shelton you know this was obviously a way to um 
develop that rapport. They had already they have a rapport, they have a rapport so mm-hmm. to help with that. So that mm-hmm. that was a great tactic. You think this guy being a little bit more trusting, you know, Sam mm-hmm. might trust him a little bit more and be like, okay, just tell me how it is, man. I'll help you get through this. You know, the cops can say whatever they want. Right. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll help you make sure everything will be okay. Just tell me the real story and everything will be fine. And so knowing uh, Sam, you know, Johnson is talking about his grandma because he knows that he's very close with his grandma. Really smart. So he is saying, you know, think about your grandma, think about your mom. So he said that he wanted to go home. He ju- He's like, I want to go home. I want to talk to my mom and grandma and explain what happened. So Johnson told Shelton that it was important that he tell the truth to honor his mom and his grandma. With that, Johnson left the, the room. He left a weeping Shelton alone, hoping that he'd give him a little bit of time to let the, the guilt sink in and, you know, say something. So when detectives returned, Shelton was ready to confess. Knew it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Great job. So Shelton told police that after he pulled the car over, he unclicked Ashley's seatbelt and tried to forcefully drag her from the car while placing her in a chokehold. Of course, Shelton is very much larger than in stature than Ashley. So he's saying as he has her in this chokehold and he's pulling her from the car, he accidentally hurt her, hurt her. Excuse me. He said he heard a loud pop. How the F do you put a a woman in a chokehold? Who the hell does that? Like as a natural instinct? Yeah. Like you pull their arm or something like not a chokehold. Like that's just trying to end a life. Basically, you try to choke somebody. You're trying to end a life. And And to me, if you're thinking you want to get somebody out of the car, he's a lot bigger than her he could have easily taken her by the arm and taken her out of the car get out of my car well you said he was trying to get into pro wrestling so i'd imagine he's pretty built yeah and so and obviously in shape right so it's just like this girl you're gonna have no problem moving her wherever you want you know like i say to you like you know you try to push me around and i'm like it's not gonna happen and i know if you wanted to hurt me you could hurt me in an instant of course and it's just uh it's it's i don't know man i can't everybody that's listening knows i can't stand any kind of violence towards women so he says as he's got her in this chokehold he hears a loud pop and he believed at that moment he broke her neck He said that when that happened, Ashley had gone limp and he panicked. He removed her from the car and dragged her body into the woods. He told police that he wanted it to look look as if somebody had attacked Ashley in that location. So then once he got her to that spot, he strangled her with his hands. Mm Mm-hmm. And he realized that even after doing this, Ashley was still breathing. So he decided to take off his belt, wrap it around Ashley's neck, use his foot for leverage to tro- to strangle her that way. Oh my God, he what told a monster. He told officers that he's not sure how long he held on, but he had to turn his head away because he didn't want to see. He said that he heard gurgling noises, and when he let go, foam was coming out of Ashley's mouth. He said she was the sickest color. I had ever seen her tongue was like kind of protruding like that between her teeth he continued to pull the belt with such force that he actually snapped the belt in two man that's hatred that's like really that you know we talk about crimes of passion that's some passion there mm -hmm. unfortunately that's horrible so at this point he repositioned Ashley and went back to using his bare hands because his belt was no longer usable so he t- he was finishing choking her with his hands a third and final time until he saw no more breathing, no more frothing, and no more changing of her facial color. He then left Ashley to die on the ground deep within the woods, saying, I just took off. I mean, I literally darted through there like a bat out of hell. 
So police tried to understand why he hadn't called for help when he believed that her neck had broken when he was pulling her out of the car and he said he didn't want to be blamed for her death he feared the repercussions including losing his job well i can't wait until they find her body and determine if that's the real story or not because i have a feeling that's not the real story so he said the next day he went about his routine as usual he taught his high school classes and then of course the police are going to his school to talk to different staff and students they said that he seemed completely normal that day. Man, he you gotta not, wonder. If, I mean, that's what, what this guy has had in his past. You know, has this happened before? Like, I, I know you're gonna hopefully get into that, but crazy. Because a lot of the cases where people try to go about their daily routines, they people will say he seemed nervous, he seemed edgy, fidgety, yeah. etc. They said no, he was making jokes. He was completely the same what as he always was. Would you call this was. like a narcissist type? Totally, thing? that yeah. you can like compartmentalize like that. Right. So yeah, he seemed to have no care in the world about what he did. Like he kind of probably you know said it to himself, like, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I, she I, wouldn't get out of my car. I dragged her out, and yeah, you know, I told her to get out. She wouldn't. I pulled her, and all her neck snapped by accident. And yeah, what am I supposed to do? Right. So I left her. Oh, good. So not my, I'm gonna go not teach my problem. Some, I'm going to go teach PE. So that night, as Ashley's body lay in the cold, dark woods, he went out for drinks and line dancing. And there's like a video of him line dancing. Gross. So after his confession, Shelton told police that he could take them to where her body could be located in Citizens Park. This is a 45 acre park in Belleville, 12 minutes away from where Ashley lives. At this time, it was dark outside. The weather was terrible. The rain was coming down like crazy. So as they're walking through this area, he's trying to find where he left her, but he's having trouble doing so. So 20 minutes has passed, close to 30 minutes. Police at this point are basically feeling like he's playing games with them. Wild goose chase. Take exactly what I just wrote here. He's taking them on a wild goose chase. But finally, a flashlight beam comes across what they see is and think is Ashley's body. So she was soaking wet. She was covered with insects. She had thousands of insect bites over her body. Her hands were pulled up to her chest. Her tongue was protruding, protruding from her mouth. So that did fit the description of what he even said. So police were just devastated. They'd been unable to save her. They were just thinking about the horrific task of having to notify her parents about what they had found all of a sudden someone shouted out she's breathing holy cow call emts oh hold on a second that's just oh wow yes incredible they saw her chest rise wow yeah um that's a okay that's amazing a curveball right i i just got like just like if y'all felt something in my brain that's yeah crazy. that's awesome so they suddenly saw ashley's hands move and her chest rise ashley was miraculously alive after being strangled three times and left in the cold for more than 30 hours oh my god what a, a warrior i mean unbelievable Jeez. so emts quickly rushed her to the hospital they didn't even believe that she was going to make it out of the woods alive let alone in general well sure you're like worried about moving her at all because i'm sure there's some you know if, if what he said was mm-hmm. true about the neck thing you're not supposed to move anybody until there's somebody there that can like you know stabilize them yeah so they did they had to wait for them to come <sighs> when they got ashley to the hospital she was put into a medically induced coma Shelton was arrested. He was charged with first-degree murder. 
Um, I guess at this point, uh, it would be attempted murder because she yeah. just miraculously didn't die. Right. So when he was taken into custody, he asked for a private bathroom. He claimed he suffered from a urinary stress disorder that made him miserable to have to pee in front of others. Yeah, tough shit. Maybe you don't kill people. Maybe, right. Then maybe you'll have a private. Maybe you should. You'd be at home allowed to pee wherever you'd like. But here you're in jail. Mm-hmm. So you don't either, get that privilege. Either hold it or piss in the hole. Either one. <laughs> So he also worried about his contacts, and he needed a contact case and solution. You don't need to see anything besides concrete walls, asshole. And he seemingly at this time had no regard as to what he had done to Ashley. And he showed no sign of remorse. He pleaded not guilty. And he was released on bail and placed on house arrest. He was allowed to be in the comfort of his own home with his mommy and Grammy, over the year that he waited for his trial to begin. And a year because the trials take so long because so the he court just system's so backed up. Got to be comfortable at home. Wow. After like nearly it, br- brutally killing this girl. While Ashley's clinging on to mm-hmm. dear life Completely. in a hospital and yep. this asshole's just sitting there. Is he still working? Uh, probably not. No, I'm sure. he was yeah. on house arrest. <laughs> I mean, high school's not going to allow oh, him. Yeah. Back. Hi, hi, Mr. Shelton. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So before he faced attempted murder charges in court, Susan, who is Shelton's mom, called 911 because he attempted suicide with prescription pills and alcohol. When responders arrived, he was seemingly in an unconscious state. He had written something on his chest to the root, like basically give off the impression of do not resuscitate. As EMT workers are trying to revive him, he immediately became alert and began striking them with his fists. He was transported to the hospital where allegedly he had made racial slurs toward a nurse and kicked her in the face. Mm. So that's nice. Shelton's mental state was questioned, though a psychiatrist deemed him competent to stand trial. It's likely that he used this suicide as a way for him to gain empathy from a jury. Ashley's family. I don't care how many times what he did to himself, what he didn't get in jail. Mm-hmm. Like, just explain what nothing. he did to this girl, and you're done, man. You're going is yeah, whatever the maximum is. It's like it's zero to five, and I'm going to hit five on all of them. Like max, 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 max. Exactly, and we're done. Yep. So Ashley's family signed off on a plea deal to avoid the turmoil of her having to face a trial. Sure. So Susan, who is Shelton's mom, said that the family reluctantly accepted the deal, insisting that he wouldn't have gotten a fair trial anyway because of the continuing demonization of Sam. Blah, blah, blah. Go to hell. It's because he is a demon. He is a demon. Yeah, there's a good demon. The reason to demonize somebody is because they're a demon. And Sam Shelton is absolutely a demon. We're simply telling the facts of what your little baby boy Sammy did. And that makes him a demon. Correct. Susan. He he said it. He told the police he did it. This isn't people making this up. He said it. He said it. And everything he said turned out to be true because he's also a puss mm. and he i mean you know i, I any, any murderers out there please by all means keep on telling your stories because they need to be told and you should go to jail for these things and hopefully you get it off your shoulders and it's easier to you know arrest you and put you in jail uh don't let this be a deterrent but um yeah he's a big puss well and why do you think he was attracted to a 17 year old girl ah uh, yes ladies I, what do we tell you every time if there's a t- guy that's 10 years older than you attracted to you and you're 17 18 20 whatever that guy's a loser mm-hmm. and Nobody his age will go out with him. And again, if you're 30 years old and your husband's 40, that's different. Sure. We're talking about 17 and almost 30 years old. Yeah, that's somebody preying on children. Big, big difference here. 
So, you know, he is go now taking this plea deal. So Shelton did accept this deal. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison for first degree attempted murder. And according to the Illinois Department of Corrections, his projected parole date is April 22nd, 2024. So we're looking at less than a year from now. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Man, so just because she didn't die. Because like, she didn't die. And if her heart would have stopped, then he'd be in jail much longer. Isn't right? that crazy that... This warrior held on to life he somehow. Did, like he did the same thing, whether she died or stayed alive, yeah. and he gets less jail because she was because so she hard survived. and tough and stayed alive. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yep, I, I I find that to be insane. Hmm. So he's currently forty two years old. When he is released, he'll be about forty four. So he has since been moved to a minimum security prison in preparation for his possible upcoming release. Why? Do, why? I guess there there's harder criminal. I don't know. Like this is a pretty hard criminal. Yeah, this is pretty pretty damn bad yeah so when she was found ashley was barely breathing and paramedics rushed her to the hospital and of course you know she's being put into a medically induced coma her prognosis was not promising so medically induced coma because did she have head injuries or well she was strangled right severely which was cutting the blood blood to her brain and so that cut off blood so why would they need to induce a coma to allow her body to heal okay yeah so she suffered from traumatic brain injury as well as a broken neck. So when he heard that pop, her neck had broken. Okay. So the only memory that she had of the attack was the fight that occurred between her and Shelton. And the fight was because she was breaking up with him. Really? Yes. Are you kidding? No. Oh, my God. I totally expected that she just wanted to be with him. And he was probably like, well, I'm a teacher. I can't have this nope. Leo laying around me. Oh, my God. She was trying to break things up. She, do we know this for sure? Also, did Sam say it for sure? I'm not to say oh that she's Oh, God. Not Sam told nothing but lies. Okay. Nothing that comes out of that guy's because mouth. Because we have to keep in mind, you know, Ashley is definitely feeling bad that she, you know, cheated on Jeremy. I'm sure, but things were pretty t- touch and go at and first. The story will be easier if she says she was trying to break up with him. Well, I'm not saying. I'm just telling you what I read. I'm so thankful Ashley's alive because everybody makes mistakes, whatever. You know, right. We're all human beings. Sure. We make mistakes in life. Yes. She was a 17 year old girl for god's sakes yes yeah, right it's you know craziness but um that's interesting that i it and that's a better story that she was trying to break yeah up with this and i believe it this guy is a complete wuss puss and i say those words because we just watched the word uh, uh, i'm the, sorry do we have to delete those words wuss puss <laughs> we watched Coraline last night and for like the a millionth time and if you've watched that movie you'll know that she calls the cat a wuss puss and that's exactly what this guy is he's a wuss puss So she has barely any memory of the days leading up to the attack or the weeks after. During her three-month hospitalization, the once-trained athlete needed to learn how to talk, swallow, and use her limbs. Her mom had to change her diapers as her muscles recovered. A newspaper article from one year after the attack indicated that she was able to drive at that point. She walked, but still in a stilted manner. Her typical routine a year out was meeting with a speech therapist at 9 a.m., an occupational therapist at 10 a.m., and then a physical therapist at 11 a.m. So we're talking about 
hours and hours of therapy still a year out from her attack. Essentially, you know, it's the same as a stroke, a massive mm-hmm. stroke. It is. Because it cut off blood to the brain and the brain's like, uh, you know, forgets everything that it had as far as your motor function and, you know, thoughts and Those parts stuff. of her brain were damaged because this mother effer strangled her three times. So man, I, if it would happen to my daughter or friend or cousin or whatever, I'd just be so glad that she was still alive. Just and to have her, her parents were just amazing. They both took leave of absence from their works so that they could be by her side through every moment of this. So thank goodness she had such a strong support system because, you know, she worked her ass off to recover and they helped her because I'm sure there's times when you're having to relearn to walk when you're an athlete that you do want to give up. And that's why you've got those cheerleaders around you. I mean, I've got like a 0.0001% story that's like 0.0001% of what she's going through Uh when I have gout flare ups, you know, like I'm a perfectly capable human being, but I have this like big pain in my foot where I can't do anything like because it hurts so bad and i have to sit there and watch you running around and the kids doing stuff and it's just like you know that's that's not even close to what she would be going through that's a blip on the radar so you can only imagine like your whole life you're just used to being able to do whatever you want now it's like you're you know coming back from being just somebody that can't even move it's almost like you're being reborn you know but in a a body that's used to being athletic but you know that it can do more Mm -hmm. and you're like come on do it so she worked also with a private tutor. Again, this is a year out. A few times a week, she was unable to attend her regular classes at Columbia High School. At this point, doctors still weren't even sure how much full, you know, her brain would fully recover because, you know, it was still still a year out was too soon to tell. So there was a period during her recovery where she would just scream. Her parents were terrified that she was lost forever. This was while she was in the hospital. Mm. Like literally her only response was just to scream. Wow, that had to be scary. So scary to see your child go through this. Michelle felt like her daughter's mind was locked into being strangled. And when she looked at you, she just looked through you. She had no recognition. Oh my God. Oh, my heart breaks for these parents, but obviously they've got their daughter. She's alive, but how scary must this have been? So um, before Ashley was able to speak again, she would blink once for yes, twice for no. Michelle would use playing cards to test her daughter's mind. She would show her different cards, ask her yes, no questions about them. They also kind of developed like a little sign language where they would try to, you know, understand each other. Sure. So, you know, they did whatever they needed to. Could she So she could understand things. It seemed like, yes, yeah, she, yeah, she could. Yes. Kind of like if you, uh, if you know a foreign language, like you can understand a lot of stuff, but it's harder to mm-hmm. say it. So like her mom would show her, you know, a queen of hearts or something and be like, is this a queen of hearts? And if she blinked once, it was yes. So she understood. Yes. So a year after the attack, Ashley was dating a new guy. And she admitted that it was hard for her to trust again because somebody, a a man nearly killed her a year before. Yeah. So a year after rehab, like intensive, intensive rehab, Ashley was amazingly able to make a full recovery. Full. Full recovery. Wow, that's incredible. She says she remembers her first drink of water and it was amazing because she was fed through a feeding tube because she couldn't, you know, that part of her brain was damaged. She had to relearn working with a speech therapist 
how to, to swallow again. Yeah, the things we take for granted the, every day. Yeah, like water, you know. She said it was the best thing she tasted. So then in 2017, she sat down and had an interview with Elizabeth Smart for Crime Watch Daily. Ashley indicated that she'd only recently watched Sheldon's interrogation tapes. She was really only able to watch maybe a minute and a half. She could not stand to sit there and listen to his blatant lies on top of lies on yeah. top of lies and why put yourself through it uh, she lived it don't she, need to yeah, hear it don't need exactly. to hear it exactly she also visited the spot where she was rescued for the first time walking with elizabeth smart um you know i guess it was kind of a good thing that she went back there because she's looking at the spot thinking my god i laid here for 30 hours clinging to life and she said that maybe she is as tough as everyone says she is and that she is a fighter who keeps wanting to push herself. Absolutely you are, Ashley. You're super amazingly tough. Like you came back from hell. I mean, your brain has to be pretty mentally strong to be able to mm-hmm. do that because it didn't let her let go because your brain can let you let go it's at true. certain times. Yeah. So in 2021, Lifetime premiered a movie based on Ashley's story. It was called Left for Dead, the Ashley Reeves story. But really, other than the 2017 interview with Elizabeth Smart, Ashley has really, really tried to put all of this behind her so that she could move forward in her life. She doesn't want her life to be defined by this story. So she's really stayed under the radar. She's about 34 years old. She's married. She has two kids. She lives in Illinois. She works as a caregiver. And she urges others not to give up. Don't ever give up on yourself. There's bigger, better things out there. I've gone through plenty of hardships and just keep fighting. Every day it's a struggle, but you just keep on trudging. Man, she could make a good living being like a motivational speaker. I agree because, Um, I mean mentally to have to live through all of this and recover and the dedication to recover uh actually if you come across this like there's corporations that'll pay good money for you to talk to their salespeople once a quarter and mm-hmm. come out and say like you know i for survive this you could survive a tough quarter yeah and it's true because we all do sometimes need to hear something that's like brings us to light like really the crap that we worry about on a day-to-day basis if somebody can get through this we can get through what we're you know thinking about right So that is the amazing, and I didn't want to title it the survival story because I didn't want you to know when I was telling it what the outcome was. Well, when you were saying like they only had like a certain amount of time before the 60 hours or whatever it It is. It was they were coming up to the 30 hour mark because it's April in Illinois. It's cold. Yeah, the the 30 hour mark. And I'm like, well, it's not like there's a magic like clock that's like, oh, 30 hours, she's gone. Right. But you think about being without water and stuff like that, knowing that if she was alive, time is ticking. Hey, thank God they did that. And I will say that, uh, what, Detective Johnson, nice Mm -hmm. work on cracking that piece of shit, Sam Shelton. Yep. Again, piece of shit, Sam Shelton. Uh, That's Because next year in April, this mother effer is getting released and he's only going to be 44 years old. Great. So So uh, be aware of this guy's name. Yeah. Uh, no, he lived with his mom and his grandma. He was polite, well-liked. That's I mean, a weird thing. Well-liked in the community, well-liked by his colleagues, students. There's nothing. Usually, like, narcissists, there's something in them that will, like, you know, they rub people the wrong way eventually. Eventually. So, so maybe he hadn't even developed relationships long enough to really do so that anyone came out and said. And sometimes narcissists can just be considered you know little pricks like oh this guy's an asshole stay away from him yeah but But other than that you know i think it was to the point that he didn't want this to come out that he was having an affair with a 17 year old student 
So he was going to do anything he could to make this go away and didn't care that he was eliminating a person from this earth as long as his image wasn't tainted because that's where detectives were like, why didn't you call the police or paramedics when you heard a pop? It's because he didn't want it to have, he didn't want the repercussions. Yeah. Well, hopefully he has a horrible, horrible life with uh, profuse diarrhea, lots of like herpes and gonorrhea and um, constipation, um, you know, whatever. Anything yeah, horrible and just, that you know, be aware of this guy that he's going to be free in a year. Like, know his name, know where he's living if he can. He's and in Illinois? He's in Illinois. He's in, pr- in prison in Illinois. What he's going to do when he's released, I don't know. But I do Whatever. not imagine they would put him back in the teaching position. No, that won't happen. But, you know, just in case, like, somebody starts dating this guy not knowing his past. Yeah. You know? Kind of a common name, unfortunately. It is. It's a common name. Well, everybody Googles everybody now, so mm-hmm. that's that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling us that story. What an awesome story for her to come back. I know. And especially after that just horrific story I told last week of... Um, Oh, gosh. I just had a little brain fart here. That's disgusting. Please don't say brain farts. I hate when people (laughs) say that. Shanda Sharer. Thank you, Mike. So that was just such a tragic and sad story. I thought an uplifting survival story would be... Those are my favorite. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, everybody. If you liked what you heard, uh, I got good news. We've got like over 20 episodes available to you. Or if you even like what we're doing and want to support us, you can mm-hmm. go on over to Patreon and uh, become a supporter for as little as five bucks, man. Just five bucks. And you can you get yourself access to, I think, at least 15. Uh, yeah, right around 15. 15 episodes. You get like 20 or 30 if you're uh, the second level. So go check it out. Even if you do it for a month and binge, whatever, man. You know, we, we'd appreciate it. Also, you need a new t-shirt. We've got merch. So That's there's true. there's links um and they're just like um t-shirts we wear on the show every once in a while so check it out uh thank you for everything you guys do we appreciate it well, i want to say welcome to the new uh members of the crime and coffee couple club no oh wait no odd uh, oh this is the old one crap i had it oh, all ready boy. to go here we go mike oh, okay. and we're asking people to subscribe to here us and then we bring ready? this unprofessionalism to the table suzanne <laughs> cj and lexi Aw, uh, Lexi, our cousin. Lexi is our beloved cousin yeah. who we adore. Yes. And uh, so. And she wanted uh, extra episodes. She's like, I want to support you guys. And also, um, I'm doing something and I need extra episodes. Yeah, so, so I'm becoming a patron. And you know what? Something interesting. Um, there's people that from like Norway and stuff that, uh, that uh, Susanna, for instance, says she played paid with uh, Norwegian kroners. That's so cool. So I think that's really cool. So thank you guys so much for listening and spreading the good word and subscribing and all that good stuff. We appreciate you guys so much. And we will be back next week. And until then.